everybody, and welcome to a new episode of StartupRad.io, your podcast show with startup news and interviews from Germany. Hey folks, it's been some time. We're back from the summer break, and today it's not only Chris from New York. Hey, how you doing, man? Awesome. <laughs> Hi. It's not only him, but today we also do have one entrepreneur and owner from a creative agency here with us, Alex. Thanks for having me. My name is Alex and I'm from Offenbach, which is uh, right next to Frankfurt. And uh, for everybody yeah, who um, doesn't know it, it's like if Frankfurt is New York, it's like the Jersey City of Frankfurt. <laughs> it's it's the funky side of, of Frankfurt. Some might say, but yeah, I'm, I'm from there. I'm, I'm a co-founder of a creative agency and we are at the moment playing around uh, with a project or actually trying to, to make a project happen to uh, offer a Brexit hedge to UK-based fintechs. You can soon tell us about it, but right now we do have a lot of housekeeping ahead of us. You may remember last time we did our recording was approximately beginning of June for our startup news. So we try not to list everything in there, but rather the things that move the German startup scene. Housekeeping, just for us. And this is the first time of the news wrap up since the summer break. And we have been pretty busy during the summer. In German, we brought you an update on the billion dollar project of a startup campus just in front of Frankfurt. The project shall be called Silicon Valley of Europe and will be located in the vicinity of Frankfurt. We wait for the results of a land auction and therefore especially if the project gets allotted the required area. If this is not the case, it will just fall through. And I talked to the, to the person we interviewed this morning and he said middle of October there'll be a decision coming around. We also introduce in German our listeners to the new show format in Nüsse, meaning in brief, where we introduce our listeners to several event formats in like less than 10 minutes each. In English, of course, you can check this out via www.startuprate.io. We had a summer interview in Germany. There is a tradition of having with important people in a very nice place outside a very nice summer interview a little bit more in that we try to recreate that and we had an interview with renewable energy startup called africa green tech here close to frankfurt they are located on, on the outskirts of frankfurt and here especially with suleiman we talk about the project the solar container and what they are aiming for and what they can actually do for the rural population in Mali. We conducted an interview with startups and investors at the Venture Capital Forum in Frankfurt. This is also a video, so you'll find it on our YouTube channel. This includes the VC who was the A-round lead investor of MySQL. So just tune in. Search on YouTube for Startup Radio. We did our first interview with a Polish startup who is working on recycling. You will find this at www.startuprate.io. And for the fintech fans here, we did two interviews together with Luca. Luca is the co-founder of the mobile banking app Penta. They want to be something like the number 26 for small and medium-sized enterprises and in the beginning trying to cater startups and SMEs in Germany as well as in France. I was joined in this interview by John. 
who's the newest addition to our Startup Radio cast. And he will be in charge of what we hope will be StartupRadio.xyz. And it shall be the Arabic-speaking channel of Startup Radio, especially since there is now an influx of approximately 1 million people, majority of them speaking Arabic, and we will try our best to get them on board and as knowledgeable about setting up startups as we can. That's our aim with this program. In the first interview, John... And I ask Luca from Penta and he's telling us about his, his past ventures where he raised venture capital, where he had a startup in LA and even from the time he was selling shoes on the streets of New York City. Disclaimer. He told us he even paid taxes. And in the second interview, we talk about venture capital and Luca's experience with raising VC money in Europe and the US. Those interviews are really, really nice. Just tune in. And I actually personally love the wisdom in the interviews that Luca is just dishing out everywhere. For example, there's one awesome quote. Don't marry the sexiest people, but the ones who bring most to the table. Just gotta love that interview. StartupRadio.de, our German-only channel, is once again listed as a need-to-know source for every entrepreneur in Germany. You'll find a link and the blog, who was so kind to list up, was DeutscheStartups.de. Whew, lot of work, lot of talk. So guys, what did you find interesting during summer? Taking the break. <laughs> but so uh, here in New York, it seems as if everyone was out in the Hamptons. It was a very hot summer here. Yeah, we will be talking a bit more in depth about one of the companies that also um, also got some headlines here, which is obviously Rocket in our Rocket segment. First off, there's some more talk about Frankfurt, I guess, and about you guys. In in uh, Frankfurt or in Germany, the summer wasn't quite as as nice. There was a lot of rain. But um, I think there's uh, a lot of stuff happening at the moment in the ecosystem in, in Frankfurt, be it the uh, opening of the first accelerator in Frankfurt or Frankfurt making themselves knowledgeable or known in, uh, in the UK and uh, offering themselves as a well option for fintechs. I mean, there's, there's some quite interesting stuff going on. From what I understand, they're just trying to lure in right now banks And if enough international banks are sending enough employees over to Frankfurt, a lot of fintechs do have incentives to come over as well because you share all the infrastructure from the connections to the coders who are knowledgeable about uh, finance topics, tax advisors, lawyers, consultants, and even just the, the normal people who get laid off in banks, they can also hire in fintechs. And they usually do have a very broad knowledge base about their specific area of finance. Alex, could you tell us a little bit about more joinmanland.com in this section before we go into discussing details about Frankfurt? Basically, what, what we want to do with Join Mainland is uh, offer a cheap or inexpensive Brexit hedge to fintechs in the UK and in London. Especially, the idea is um, that at the moment, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. So most of the fintechs don't know what's going to happen in two years Will they still be able to, to sell their products on the common market? What about power? What is going to happen to the international teams? I mean, 
a lot of their developers, for example, are from Eastern Europe or even Germany. So um, what about them with the Brexit being especially because of migration? This is not only a problem for the fintechs because they don't know whether or not their business models are still going to work in, in two years or three years. It's also a problem for investors because they don't know whether or not what's going to happen. So our idea is um, keep your office in, in London and open up a small foothold office in mainland. So Frankfurt, Offenbach in the area around and come in here, get to know the, the ecosystem, get used to the legal framework that is around here and hedge yourself. So basically when a hard Brexit comes, you're already here, you know the ecosystem, you know the people, you kind of recreate in, in some form what you already have in London. And um, if a hard Brexit comes, you bring over the rest of the team and um, you know that whatever is going to happen, you'll be able to, to sell to the, to the EU or into the common market. And if a soft Brexit comes, comes well, you brought some people here and that's fine. They uh, got to know new contacts. You have maybe got some new clients. And um, well, if, if it's a soft Brexit, you just at some point. That's, that's the, the idea of it. I also would like to add that uh, Frankfurt is almost in the center of Germany, which is the biggest economy in the European Union and therefore the biggest economy in the largest economic frame, meaning the European economic area that you have here in the world. So it's not a bad place to be. Talking about hubs and Frankfurt. Frankfurt turns into Fintech City, writes the local newspaper Frankfurter Rundschau. They're listing 35 Fintechs in the city center alone and we do have a map for you. Talking about fintechs, the robo-advisor Jinmon raised millions, not further disclosed the amount, from London-based Passion Capital. And Frankfurt insurance startup Clark raised 13.2 million euros. The business periodical Wirtschaftswoche writes about cloud computing. Why is this important for Frankfurt? Because as they write, Frankfurt is on the way to become the cloud computing center of Europe. We provide you a link. Unfortunately, the article is in German. From one of the first startup guys at Frankfurt, there's now the intro to Frankfurt tech scene. You'll also find a link and there's more sign of life relative to the population. Frankfurt is the most mentioned startup city in Germany in the internet and analyzers found. And finally, financing for 32 hectare for Americans, 103 acres innovation and startup campus close to Frankfurt has been secured. We are right now waiting for the official result of a public bidding if the property will be sold to the investor and then there's very likely a big startup campus. That was it from Frankfurt already in a very small wrap up. Yeah, so let's move on probably a bit to Berlin and also to uh, our company section because the news about the hub, startup hub, that Berlin is, is that even though flagship startups of Rocket Internet are not doing especially well there, it doesn't really seem to matter too much for the overall tech scene. So um, Berlin seems to prosper more and more and it's not as dependent as it used to be on those yeah and those flagship, flagship projects that rocket provided which brings us to the company section and again the listeners who join us every time may know it by now there's no startup uh, radio podcast without mentioning of rocket internet 
So what are we... well, it's it's more or less a tradition, <laughs> right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> so many news about them. So, but again, the narrative is still the same that it used to be before the summer, which is that overall the company really had a rough patch so far in 2016. Just a little reminder what Rocket Internet does, in case you don't know it by now, is they are mostly looking at what kind of startups work in other countries and build German or probably sometimes European European copycats for that. Like HelloFresh as the copycat of Blue Apron. Blue Apron, yeah. And that's also how they started out. It run or was founded by three brothers, the Zumber brothers, who um, also came to a lot of money by founding what was then called, I think, well, the German eBay clone. I forgot the name. Ayando. Yeah. Ayando. Uh, like it, it was called something. I, everybody forgot uh, forgot the name of the thing, but everybody yeah. knows they sold it for a yeah. lot of money to eBay. And they are they become a bit infamous in Germany for uh, founding a company called. Yamba, which sold ringtones during the first uh, like cell phone revolution. It was not a good time. <laughs> it wasn't. No, no, it, it wasn't. So um, if you look at a couple of their investment right now, what they are doing is they are building all these copycats and then they look at some of the more prestigious German business schools for people to run it. So probably... I mean, you could probably even argue that sometimes it's not even a startup, but it's more a... Um, business consultancy meets franchise approach to things because they come up with, um, yeah, they come up with uh, the people who manage it and it's not necessarily founders who come up with an idea and who then follow through on that. But this is probably just my personal take. And from what I understand, on average, they have about 3% equity stake in the startup. That's not overly much. If we look at a couple of them right now, what happened? Home24, I think it's about furniture. Rocket Internet slashed the valuation into half there and erased approximately half a billion euro from uh, the book value of the company. So this is one of our in-depth links that we have. Then there is Delivery Hero, which is a bit like seamless, I would say, for the American listeners. And this is reported by Manager Magazine to have been unable to raise venture capital and therefore went for an expensive loan. And then there is HelloFresh. Like you said, Jörn, it's uh, the copycat of Blue Apron. So it's one of those services where you get um, food in a shoebox or you get all the ingredients you need in a shoebox in order to prepare a nice dish and a nice meal. Uh, and HelloFresh had to put its IPO plans on hold. There also was a very long, in-depth analysis of the company in uh, the Wall Street Journal here in the US, where you could really tell how it struggles to make money. Customer acquisition is too expensive. And what I found interesting also about the article is that they really took a deeper look into what the money that the customer is paying for is being used for. So the standard subscription, which is a weekly box, three meals and two servings. So basically you get six dinner servings, costs you 69 bucks, which is already pretty much. Out of the $69 for the food itself in there, um, they use only approximately $15. Then there is $3 for packaging and ice packs, $3 for labor, up to $15 for the delivery. 
I mean, especially here in the U.S., if you want to have it delivered to a more rural area, I guess, uh, which leaves them with a potential profit of $33. But within those $33, there's also like customer acquisition and um, a lot of the other overhead. I'm talking about this a bit more because by accident, I was uh, one of the customers during summer because I uh, tried one of their introductory offers, which is... I didn't have to pay $69. The vegetarian box is $54, I think, but it, for the first two boxes, they only make you pay $27. To me, it just seemed like a product that was that someone came up with on the drawing board, and it's not really like something where I could see which kind of problem it actually solves because it takes an hour to prepare the food. Then it's, it, it tastes very nice, but it's too much for one person. It's not really enough for two people. And so it was somehow, somehow in between. The ice package was broken two times. So in the package room of the building where I'm living, there was my ice leaking around. It just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't add up. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I assume that also means you tried HelloFresh in the US? Yeah, I tried HelloFresh in the US. Yeah, I didn't try Blue. Okay, I, uh, I, I actually have, have not tried it in Germany yet. I, I would guess that for the German market, a lot of the stuff they are doing goes against what Germans usually do. Like, we really like to save money on food anyway. And so I guess or stocking groceries at your home is not something that Germans feel uncomfortable with as long as they can save some money. So I don't know how much of this whole trick, like, hey, here's everything you need in one box and we make you pay a little price premium for that, how well this is going to work because I don't know how big that market actually is. Well, if you would see our kitchen, you would know we have a lot of stuff in all the shelves, in all the cupboards everywhere and a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables. And right now I'm working from home because between projects and I would not just make a subscription I'd rather go out to the grocery or to the fruit and vegetable store and just get an inspiration okay what is there on offer what could I make out of it that's rather the way I like to cook so for me personally it's also I'm not the target customer let's say that way also I found global fashion group yeah oh sorry you always you always struck me no no I just wanted to make a bad joke and tell the listeners that you always struck me as the kind of guy who stocks up for the zombie apocalypse anyway. it's 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 actually <laughs> so not zombies you, you it's alien so invasion <laughs> no 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 yeah sure but if, if hello fresh is gonna rescue from that is is uh questionable <laughs> at least oh no 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 that, that <laughs> that's too bad that's too bad we have there to cut it pivot. out but actually maybe there are enough germs in it for it <laughs> Okay, you never yeah, know what totally. will save you, right? Um, I found the global fashion group <laughs> raised more than 1.5 billion US dollars in paper valuation as it raised 364 million US dollar in VC funding. That's also a down round, as they call it. And also Bloomberg writes an article, the headline reads, Rocket Internet Troubles Mount After Last Startup Down Round. It looks like the investors want to see profitable startups before they bring more investments. Guys, your thoughts on it? I mean, yeah, for me, it's I always have, let's say, more personal feelings about the whole thing because I truly believe in this idea that when you set out to build your own startup or you start a project, it's so much work. I once read it and really stuck with me. It always means that you're able to build your own utopia. And you got this chance of building your own company. You can come up with the kind of people you want to hire. You can come up with the kind of work culture. And to me, this all just seems like a very 
generic approach to building a startup. And like I said, it sounds more like like a way to build franchises in a whole, like a very diverse company. To me, it, it, it loses a bit of the sparkle that usually working in a startup should have. So I'm not feeling overly sorry for them not being that successful right now. <laughs> okay. I also asked myself right after their IPO, how their, their business model is going to progress. I mean, you, you, of course, you can try to do one copycat after another, but you can never really make sure that, that they will work uh, the way they do in their home market. So I actually never understood how they want to make profits on a long-term basis. And I, I totally agree that, I mean, this, this concept of making a startup in a Petri dish, more or less, I don't really like the idea itself. And it doesn't seem to work really well for them as well. So I'd be really cautious trying to predict what's going to happen to Rocket Internet. Okay, Tesla. There was some news about Tesla in Germany as well. A close associate of Elon Musk named Antonio Gracias has been turned down by Bavarian battery producing SME called Sonnen, writes Manager Magazine. Tesla seems to have been interested in taking a stake or buying the whole company. Mm. And as we are speaking, I just read before we started uh, recording that already today Elon Musk is going to give a press conference on how to turn humanity into a multi-planet species or something like that. So probably once the listeners are actually uh, getting or downloading this podcast, humanity is already solved and we got plans on how to live on Mars. So probably, why would you need a Bavarian battery manufacturer then? <laughs> But he, he's, he's frequently been talking about uh, multi-planet multi society, uh, especially there's, there's one really cool interview with Y Incubator that we shared already on our social media channels. I'll put it down here as well. Haven't they, haven't they just introduced a new rocket engine that will bring us to Mars? Yeah, I, there, are, there is a very I interesting thought, uh, read. I, um, could be. There's a very interesting read. I have to look it up again on where they really come up specifically with the numbers, how many people you would need in the beginning because a couple of, couple of thousands of the people would die and how you can actually do the first hundred years on the other planet. It's really, it's really crazy. It's really crazy how they, um, how they approach things. And just a personal observation, because I've been to California last couple of days, you really see a lot of tests last there it's really a thing you probably can't can't imagine it or i as a german couldn't really imagine it because our country is so heavily inspired or driven by the german car manufacturer staples like volkswagen and mercedes and audi for example or bmw and um, but tesla is really really huge i've been traveling in china in june and within hong kong i did see a lot of teslas as well but as soon as you got out of the special administration area hong kong may it either be macau or maybe the other direction uh, guangzhou also known as canton you don't see a lot of teslas mm -hmm. I do believe I yeah. saw a few yeah. in shanghai and beijing but that's about it okay and we got something else about uh, another company called Travador, which started out as a startup for travel flash sales, so last minute offers there, and didn't work out. Now they pivoted and developed their own booking platform for short and weekend trips. Now it's profitable, so a little success story there. And you can look their behind the scenes story up on the 
show notes. Yes, I'm afraid the article is in German as well, but you have us for telling you. Unista, this was a really big topic because... Uh, it was a talking point all through summer. The company behind several B2C travel portals like Up in den Urlaub, little translation like Head for Vacation or Flüge.de, Flights.de are owned by the company. The holding company itself right now is under receivership. The founder apparently wanted to avoid that and fell for a scam. The, they are so-called RIP deals. The founder, Thomas Wagner, getting a cash loan of several million Swiss francs in counterfeit money in exchange for posting a collateral in real cash. And with the fake money, he got on a plane back to Germany to Leipzig and there the plane crashed. So he died and then the company was without money and without hat and that went through some real havoc there. Guys, you, you also re read and heard a lot about them. I I lean back and say I don't have an opinion about it. That's so frequent of you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> It's not a thing a New Yorker says usually, but I don't really have a strong opinion about that. Well, you need in to my become opinion, more New sounds, Yorker. <laughs> in, in my opinion, it sounds like a, a CSI a Germany case. Um, it's all a little shady and, um, well... I guess I guess we will find out what it was all about, but um, it was was an odd news. Yeah, there were quite a lot of news. Then we do have the um, Roland Berger. You know, it's a German consultancy, and they have their newest research on automated vehicles. They call it the Automated Vehicle Index. It's available for download on the website under the link we post in the show notes. And they say that the German OEMs, original equity manufacturers, retain their lead over US automaker when it comes to incorporated automated functions in mass-produced vehicles. Something when you always only talk about Tesla, you would not think of, but apparently it is like that. And the US and Germany lead in the in lead the field in terms of automated vehicle expertise. Japan is number three, but also something you would not think right now because in Germany we do have a tradition to always talk down the stuff we do at home, apparently. And we're gonna end things in the company section with uh, chocolate. <laughs> so Yeah, it's something that I found very interesting. <laughs> something we can all agree on. So The Economist had a little article about the question whether there will be something like Starbucks for chocolate, meaning, or a Starbucks effect for chocolate, meaning will there be someone who's able to rebrand a pretty traditional product like coffee, or in that case chocolate, and be able to sell it more expensively, and um, more expensively also in, 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 in ways of a chain, chain store, probably. Could be an interesting thing because uh, up to this point you probably only have all those little boutique chocolate manufacturers selling their stuff and then you have probably Lindt but I guess for them it's mostly marketing and it's not like a new player to the whole thing so there may still be room for someone who let's say disrupts the chocolate business actually there's some people who are really trying it most of them trying to play themselves 
as a original chocolate manufacturer from Brussels because if you ever go to Brussels there are two things that are really big the first one is beer and the second one is chocolate they have plenty and very good quality of both of them and what I've seen pop up here in Frankfurt and then disappear again was Godiva I actually like them personally even though yeah. they do really premium pricing They are also present in the US, I do believe, and I've even seen them at Sanlitur in Beijing. Mm -hmm. And also there is Neuhaus, which popped up first time in my mind when they opened a shop here in Frankfurt in one of the posh shopping malls there. So they're also trying to expand internationally. And most of them also, of course, have the US on their list, but they're, they're more like an actual high-end sweets store. They don't try to do the rebranding that Starbucks did from what I understand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, here in the US, we had this little scandal, which is actually quite funny for uh, uh, about a company called Must or Mast. And it's also very expensive chocolate, the kind of chocolate you could buy at a museum store right next to the cash register. So they had the nice wrapping paper and uh, everything. And uh, after a closer look, it turns out that they probably have just melted Hershey's chocolate and repackaged it with the nice wrapping paper because it also turned out they would they were like hedge fund guys in an old life and they just grew a Williamsburg hipster beard and uh, turned themselves into chocolate hipsters. I don't know how much of the allegations held true in the end, but I just found a very funny story. <laughs> and and I'm not, not really sure on whom it is more shameful. <laughs> The guys who are cheating the people or the people who buy high-end chocolate and don't realize it's this totally tasteless, oversweeted Hershey chocolate bars. Which is probably the same argument that coffee lovers make about Starbucks, but yeah. <laughs> it's all about the wrapper. <laughs> yeah. The disclaimer, I like Starbucks, I like a lot of junk food, and I've already had two pumpkin spice lattes this okay, fall. No, I didn't have pumpkin spice, but I also want to advocate for Starbucks, because here in New York, it's not only the one place where you can always get free Wi-Fi and a, a fr like more or less free public restroom, but what I find really impressive here is that uh, is the whole company philosophy. So they would always let the homeless people sit in the cafes for uh, as long as they want. They will never make you buy anything, and it's really... It's really one of the main providers of public spaces. It really turned itself into that, and it's really it's really interesting how they do it. Also, they are supposed to treat their employees um, extremely well. So, if you work for them for one or two years, they uh, get you into if you want to get you into a program of I think the University of Arizona or something or Texas where you can. Um, make your uh, uh, way can get a bachelor's degree and the company pays for you getting the bachelor's degree. So um, it's not as bad as a company as a lot of Germans would think because they are so um, premium priced in Germany. End of my Starbucks pitch, even though I not necessarily I don't necessarily like the coffee all the time. I do get why people say it tastes like um, old roasted tires. Sometimes it is, but I actually have also some roasted coffee beans here of them. And I do have an electric grinder. And on Sundays, I make really fresh coffee. And if I do it my way, I actually like it. Of course, guys, we do have this know-how for those with visions. And of course, sharing is caring. Guys, share it as much as you can, as far as you can. Yes. Give us a good, uh, give us a good rating. 
on iTunes and anywhere else there is rating available to us for us. And stay with us. We're picking up steam for the next month and now back from the summer break. So... Yes, and of course, we will also have live discussion that we are streaming via Twitter towards end of October. And uh, this day will be pretty busy for Kirill and me because at first we'll be in the morning in Cologne in one of the big, biggest startup fairs in Germany there. It's called StartupCon. And then in the evening, I'll host this discussion round where we'll have some very interesting people from the robot advisory area. And it will be together with a fintech meetup where usually a few hundred people show up here in Frankfurt and we'll stream it live on Periscope Twitter. That was it for me. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> I'm done. That's all I know. Alex, you're permitted to speak or remain silent. <laughs> no, uh, it was uh, great. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm looking forward, especially how uh, Frankfurt is progressing in terms of uh, fintech. And there's so much going on right now. It's Well, it's going to be great. Cool. Great. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.